0: Sportsnet Today. Listen on the air, online, on the Sportsnet app, and always on your smart speaker. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Calgary. I almost didn't want to step on the music. Welcome to Sportsnet Today. I'm Ryan Pike. He's Aaron Vickers. And we're joining you for the second time this week from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. For Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, do you have cracks in your walls, floors, and ceilings? Visit dlbasementsystems.com for a free estimate. They are all things basementy. And... Aaron and I were uh, lucky enough to grace your airwaves together on Tuesday, and apparently we did a good enough job that they didn't chase us out of the building and bar us from doing it again. So, Aaron, good to see you again, man. Not only that, they brought us coffee this time, Piker. We must be moving on up in the world here. I hope so. I hope so. Uh, we've got a lot to get to in the next hour. Uh, we'll be joined by the voice of the Calgary Wranglers, Sandra Prasina, to talk about the Wrangler season so far, and Brett Sutter reaching a huge milestone this week. And I imagine we'll probably get in some Flames talk too. Make sure you join us. Download the show in the Sportsnet Today feed at, on wherever you get your podcasts, and also text us your thoughts as we go along at nine
1: I'm loving this music in the background. I don't know if you still hear it in your I, headphones. I but... love this music. I don't know. I wonder what our next guest will think of this music. Well, should we invite her in? We well,
0: might as well invite her in. Go ahead. All right, we're, we're uh, Sandra Bracena, the voice of the Calgary Wranglers, joins us now down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Come on in and enjoy hockey and football game day specials at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Pickup and delivery are also available at Atlas Pizza. So call them at 403-648-3344. How's it going, Sandra?
2: I'm doing
0: very well, guys. How are you? We're doing pretty well. I'm at, it's been a busy week for you. Uh, a couple pretty interesting Calgary Wranglers games against the Ontario Reign. And I i know the schedule makers probably didn't plan this out. Or maybe they did. I don't know. Uh, the Sutters carry a, a bit of weight uh, in a lot of hockey leagues, including that circuit. But I think it was pretty cool that they managed to schedule a game between Brett Sutter's new team and the team he spent the most time with in the American League, uh, the Ontario Reign, for his, his milestone game?
2: Well, knowing that we're, what, 26 games into the season and he didn't get hurt, he suited up in every single game. And uh, I think it worked out really well. I don't know if it could have worked out any better than what we saw last night. It was truly one of those storybook games where the team was down 2 nothing, and the captain, after all the ceremony and all of these nice, Words from former coaches and teammates and present teammates and present coaching staff and he's able to sort of absorb the moment and then his team goes on to score five unanswered goals he scores the game winner shorthanded just an incredible night at the saddle dome and so great to see him get recognized as one of the only eight people to reach this accomplishment i think that really puts it into perspective
0: well, I was going to say I was I was uh, looking at my social media memories this morning, and one of the things that popped up was I think it was the, uh, the today in twenty eighteen, like fourteen years ago, that he made his, his National Hockey League debut with the Flames. Obviously, he hasn't played a ton at the National Hockey League level, but you know, like you mentioned, you know, very few people a have uh, you know have the gumption to stick with it for that long in the American League, and B he seems to really you know when I spoke with him. Uh, a couple weeks ago for for another project I'm working on, he, he was mentioning, you know, how excited he gets to be a part of other guys getting a chance to play at the NHL level. So I was just curious, you know, what does he mean to that group? Because, you know, having a guy with that much experience at the pro level has to be invaluable for some of these young guys.
2: And it's not even the young guys, Ryan. I was just listening to what Kevin Rooney had to say after the game, and they've played all of, Six games together and Kevin basically saying yesterday that he please feels like he's played with Brett Sutter his entire life so he's having an impact on the younger guys I've heard that Jacob Pelche and Connor Zeri call him dad even though he's not that old I mean he's 35 I don't think we can call 35 old I guess in hockey years it's a little bit different but he's he's seen a lot of things over his 1000 games and he's had a lot of different experiences he's worn the sea in three different spots including Calgary and I think for Brett it really is a testament not only to the love of the game but the support system he has around him because I know it's a bit of a cliche saying but it does take a village no matter what you do you you need to have really good people around you who not only keep you grounded but keep you supported and give you that support that you need he is a father to three children and his wife obviously does a lot of work and then he comes from the Sutter family so you know how hard they work on and off this season just to keep the farm running and and all of those good habits that he's picked up over the years so that kind of experience for the Wranglers especially those younger guys I think it's invaluable.
1: Sandra Brissina the voice of the Calgary Wranglers joins us in bigger picture Sandra Matthew Phillips is still eighth in league scoring despite not playing since December 3rd. But in his absence while he's been up with the Calgary Flames, who's driving the offense for the Calgary Wranglers right now? Who stepped up in Matthew Phillips' absence to make sure this team is still producing wins?
2: So if we're just looking at statistics, it would be Jacob Pelche and Connor Zeri. Pelche, I think more so, I find that he's driving the play and He's just so exemplary at both ends of the ice. He plays a complete 200-foot game. But I think you really need to look at head coach Mitch Love and the coaching staff with the Wranglers. They've really made the next man mentality a focal point of this season. And it's true when you look at the forwards and when you look at the back end because you've got Dennis Gilbert, Nick DeSimone up with the big club right now. And guys like... Colton Pullman and Josh brook they've been able to step into a top six role after being sort of in that 7-8 role and being able to play minutes. Somebody like Brook, also taking a couple of spins on the power play, picked up some points. So I think the next man up mentality is, is really just the motto of this team. So I don't want to pick and choose certain players because the nice thing with, with Mitch Love's game plan is the fact he can roll four lines and he can roll three defensive pairings and everybody feels confident. I thought Adam Klapka had a fantastic two game set versus the Ontario rain. Emilio Pedersen really finding his footing as of late. He turned a corner this month and he looks like a completely different player. And then you always know you're going to get really good minutes out of Walker Dewar, Ben Jones. He's, he's had a great season. So, it's always like okay I look at the statistics and I'm not an analytics person too much but for me it's just the mentality that's with this team and the fact that everybody's ready to take on a bigger role if they're called upon.
0: Um Sandra I'm I'm curious if you look at the the numbers obviously you know the whole team including Dustin Wolf sort of had a, a bit of a slow start but you know after after seeing a few games and then looking at the, uh, the the goalie leaderboard, very quietly, it seems like Dustin Wolf is racking up. You know, he's I think he's top five and he's the outright leader in wins by four or five. Uh, he's among the leaders in shutouts, among the leaders in save percentage, goals against. Basically, whatever measure you want to come up with for goaltender uh, production, he's he's acing it. What's this season been like uh, from from up on high? Because it, it seems, you know, at least the numbers suggest that he's, you know, in the running for uh, probably another AHL goaltender of the year award.
2: I agree. And earlier this week, he'd hit his and just keep in mind this is his sophomore season and he's already hit 50 victories in the American Hockey League And I think there was talk a little bit early in the season and ponderings, okay, will there be a sophomore slump? And you're going to a different market. You're going to a Canadian market with an NHL franchise, and you'll be playing in front of the big club's coaching staff and the owners and everything every single night. So I think just naturally on a human level that there was an adjustment period and a little bit not necessarily culture shock because he's been – around passionate hockey markets before, but things are a little bit different in Calgary and the expectations are a little bit higher. And once he started to get into a groove, I mean, just the eye test, I'm not a goaltending expert in terms of just style and things like that. But from my vantage point, when he makes a save, there are very few rebounds. If there is a rebound, it's smartly tucked into a corner or out of a dangerous area. He's phenomenal with his glove. His eye is always on the play And even if there is a turnover and he faces a point-blank shot, he's ready. He's he's focused on the game. And uh, one thing that really sticks out to me about Dustin is, first, his lateral movement. Because, obviously, he's not as big as most goalies are. So he has to outsmart the play, which means... He's really good at tracking the puck through traffic, and that is absolutely what stands out. And Peter Labardius was in the booth with me yesterday, and I remember at one point he brought something like that up during the broadcast as well, saying he's just so keen at tracking the puck, and he never cheats. And that's one of those things where I I think back to some of the goals we've seen scored for the opposition goalies, where they leave a little peak, and I think of Matthew Phillips scoring a couple of those ones that snuck in on the post that's not going to happen with dustin wolf he's very very regimented he i always watch him he's probably out sitting on the bench i would say maybe 45 minutes ahead of warm-up and he's just visualizing the game and he's the only one out there he's not listening to music he's just got his gatorade or his bios feel i'm not sure <laughs> what it is but he's just focused on the game and he's looking at the ice and he's just uh, a fascinating specimen of a gold tender. And I think people, you know, you want to keep those expectations tempered, but he is a lot of fun to watch. And I haven't seen him take a night off yet.
1: I think the burning question to ask now is, is it red Gatorade? Is it blue Gatorade? What's oh, yellow? Are, are we going off the board here? Or is it is, concealed is, is it, is it in the is it purple?
2: Here's the thing with that. He's drinking out of one of those cups. So I can't tell because it's not a clear bottle. So it's one of those old-fashioned Gatorade-type cups that we probably had as kids. So it's tough to tell what kind of color the the substance is, but whatever it is, it's working.
1: The mystery grows. <laughs> Dustin Wolf, obviously, is going to get a lot of attention. Matthew Phillips certainly has given his story, where he's from. Jacob Pelletier, Connor Zeri have that first round pedigree, so they naturally get a lot of attention. But I want to ask you about Jeremy Poirier, who leads the AHL in defense scoring among the rookie class. He's got four goals, 15 assists for 19 points in 26 games. Just curious how you've seen his progression and evolution as a guy coming out of the Quebec League and debuting as a pro with the Calgary Wranglers.
2: Yeah, and he scored two of the most important goals so far in Calgary Wranglers history in the first ever goal and the first overtime goal. Um, He is, as advertised, he's got silky smooth skating. He's wonderful on the power play. He can quarterback it. He absolutely drives the play. Um, What I like about him is his vision, both in terms of skating, always head up. He's looking for the next play. I find that he sees a play two or three steps ahead of actually seeing it develop as somebody that's watching the game. So he's fascinating in that sense. I understand that his defensive game is a work in progress, but what the flames and Wranglers coaching staff are allowing him to do is figure it out. And he's had a few defensive partners. Um, It's been a little bit of a rotation, obviously on that Wranglers blue line. And, Uh, Oddly enough, he hasn't played at all with Yan Kuznetsov out of everybody with his former junior teammate, but he adapts really well to whomever he's paired with on the blue line. So I think for him, going forward, you know you're going to get the points with him. He'll be great on the power play. He can still eat up a lot of minutes, but it's that complete game now. It's about being able to be strong defensively. The nice thing is, if he does get in trouble, he can stick handle and skate, him way, skate his way out of it. But I think if you're going to make that transition to the NHL, I'm not sure if you could do that right away. So continue to hone his skills in the AHL, and then eventually, hopefully, he'll be able to make that jump. But I was talking about it yesterday with Logan. And if you think back to... Calgary Flames training camp. I believe he actually stuck around a little bit longer than some of the younger players did because I think they see something within him and there is a very high ceiling. But you just got to get there and you got to work on it and you have to have a well rounded game as all young defensemen do.
0: Sandra Priscina, voice of the Calgary Wranglers, joining us on Sports 960, the fan. Sandra, you I think you, you you hit something that I wanted to ask you about uh, in passing. You, you mentioned the performance that Poirier had at uh, at training camp, and I, you know, when Daryl Sutter uh, unprompted says nice things about you, you know you're doing something right. But another player that uh, got some uh, some nice positive uh, uh, feedback uh, via the media from uh, from Daryl Sutter was uh, Carnazary, and I remember, you know, Conor Zeri was uh, a first round selection in 2020 then you know he has had uh, to be charitable some horrendous injury luck he he missed some time in the pandemic year when he was with Camloops uh, he missed a bit of time uh, last season actually getting hurt in the the very first rookie tournament game or rookie camp game against the, the Edmonton Oilers i believe he blocked a shot and broke a, a bone in his lower body and was out for basically a month and a half, and then you know, by the t- it took him a while to get things going. So you know, Daryl Sutter is sort of you know when he was speaking with us, he was mentioning that they were basically treating this year as you know Connor Zary's rookie year, and this was his first you know real training camp in the National Hockey League. And I was just curious, how has the season gone so far? Because you know, a lot of players can use a, a good training camp as a springboard to to success in a strong start of the season.
2: Yeah, I think he's actually developed as the season's gone on. He's got five points in his last three games, a slew of multi-point nights. And for him, I think he's getting more and more confident as the season goes on, getting more time on the power play. He's able to show his creativity. He always wants the puck. And he's not afraid of skating through the ice with the the center of the ice with the puck. He comes back and he back, back checks. So I think for Connor, it's just getting that confidence. And to start the season, obviously there was a little of experimentation to see what the lines were going to look like. But I remember those first two games versus Coachella, and the top line was Matthew Phillips, Connor Zeri, and Jacob Pelche. Eventually they got separated, and all three players went went in different directions where Pelche was gaining more confidence playing with Phillips, and then Zeri was playing on the second line with Ben Jones, who's done a lot of heavy lifting. So for Connor, he's back on the top line again, and he's, he's been able to adapt really well. And I think for him, it's just getting that complementary 200-foot game going. We know he has a nose for the net. He can grind. He can have a motor that doesn't count. It's just about making sure you're doing what needs to be done in your back end to be successful in the offensive zone
1: well, oh, he might as well complete the hat trick then, and you touched on him a little bit, and Jacob Peltier, who was named to the all-rookie team last season, there was a vacancy in Calgary's top six, top nine, heading into training camp, and there were a couple of veterans invited on PTOs, but I think a lot of us fans and media alike, and obviously the organization too, was curious to see where Jacob Peltier was, and it's tough for a 21-year-old on a Daryl Sutter team to crack a top six role, and unfortunately he didn't out of camp, but by by and large, it looks, at least from a stat line perspective, that he's made the most of his opportunity in the AHL. He's within the top 15 in scoring, 11 goals, 17 assists, 28 points. Take us beyond that stat line, though. What have you seen in terms of his ability to bounce back from what had to have been a disappointing training camp, not making the team, and using that as motivation to propel himself forward into a situation where he's been one of their top forwards?
2: Yeah, he's. A complete player. And I think early in the season, he saw those struggles that maybe bubbled over from Calgary Flames training camp. He went pointless, I think it was in his first four or five games. And then he essentially exploded after that. He's had three point nights, actually three or four, excuse me, three or four of them. So statistically, he's been able to do it. But he's such a smart player. And if you you know, I don't always pay much attention to pins and stuff like that, but he's only gone to the penalty box twice this entire season. So he's got four penalty minutes. And that to me is indicative of his IQ because he doesn't take needless chances. He doesn't make up for making a mistake by taking a penalty to try and alleviate it. He's just very smart with the puck. And if people come down to a Wranglers game, and want to see Jacob, they'll see a very smart 200-foot player that's understanding what he needs to do in his own zone to get a breakout pass. He's never cheating, looking for the pass at the opposition blue line. He's waiting so the play can develop with a number of passes, and then he's smart. He's found really nice chemistry, too, with whoever ends up on his line because we've seen with Redeem Zahorna going up and Matthew Phillips. He's had to adjust to whom he's been playing to, playing with, but he's done a really good job of it, and he's been able to take on, I think, more of a leadership role as well. I realize he's not wearing an A right now, but I think he's really leading by example. And when you have somebody like Brett Sutter, we talked about him off the top. When you have somebody like that showing how you need to play and how you need to kill penalties, I, I think with Jacob the sky is the limit with this guy and, and it seems like such a kind of hokey thing to say, but at the end of the day, he's a first round pick. The expectations are there. He's getting there in steps. And I think that's the right way to do it. And as he gets more confidence, you have to wonder if there were to be an injury and knock on wood or whatever we want to say, could he potentially be the next call up because he's doing things right in a sense where he could play a top nine role, rather than the top six role that some people may have had him penned into.
1: Where's his pest level at right now? You mentioned the Pims, and he's only got the two minors, but coming out a junior in the queue, he was known, had a little bit of a reputation for being a bit of an agitator. How has he managed to walk that line?
2: It's been, honestly, you wouldn't even know. He seems like a little angel out there. He's, He's been absolutely fantastic, and I remember that too, and I think back to the World Juniors as well. But he's really been able to... I don't know if he's internalizing it. I, I can tell he's he's yapping. I can certainly tell he's yapping, well, but he's not good. taking. Yeah, he's not taking needless penalties. And uh, it's just kind of neat from our vantage point where it is. You can see the benches so well, and he's definitely drawing and getting involved in things, but not getting involved in a sense that he's taking a penalty as a result. So his hockey IQ is absolutely through the charts.
0: Sandra, obviously. You know, from the outside, those of us who see the, the Wranglers less than you do, we tend to, to gravitate towards, you know, high draft picks, names, guys who have, you know, high stat lines and stuff like that. But, you know, in the games that you've seen, the time you've spent around this club, who, you know, of the, I guess, the the unsung heroes, so to speak, who's really jumped out to you as someone that if fans come, come down to see a Wranglers game, they'll look at and go, hey, who's that guy?
2: Well, Emilio Pedersen, definitely one of those players. I also think um, Marty Pospisil, he was injured for a little bit, and coming off that injury, he's asserted himself quite well. But Adam Klapka is a lot of fun to watch, and he seems to be gaining more and more confidence as the season goes on. You you can't forget a big man. He's six foot seven, I believe, two hundred something pounds, but the skill is there. This is his first pro season in North America and he's adjusting to the game. But if you have an opportunity to see a replay of the goal he scored yesterday where he absolutely and I don't I think it was Helga Grant, he absolutely stripped the puck of him and just ripped it. For an unassisted goal. This is the package that you get with him. Now he's not afraid to drop the gloves. I've seen him in a couple of fights at the Saddle Dome. I think he is a really fun package. And if the coaching staff sees something in him, they may want to invest in him a little bit further.
0: All all I can say is Adam Klapka seems like a very friendly young man, but he's (laughs) big enough that I think that even with a big smile on his face, I think he'd be terrifying. To be up against on a face-off, where if he's coming at you in the corner looking for a hit, I would just give him the puck and you know ask him if he won my lunch money or something like that too.
2: I, I agree. He is a, a formidable tower, let's call him. And uh, when both he and Zahorna are in the lineup, there, I, I was kind of calling the them the twin uh, Czechia towers because they are huge.
0: Indeed, indeed. So I, my understanding is the the Wranglers are. Going to be briefly on the road when uh, when the holiday break is is over. And correct me if I'm wrong. You're, you're the person who would know this. So correct me if I'm wrong. Next home game is J- is January the second, I believe.
2: Yeah. So we've got a three game set to close out 2022. They'll take on Bakersfield. So kind of the Battle of Alberta. I don't know if that that's been penned in AHL style, but I know a lot of people are always interested when it has anything to do with the Oilers, so they'll be taking on Bakersfield. And then they have a New Year's Eve date versus the Ontario Reign in California. That's only, you know, normally these are two-game sets, but the Ontario game is a one-off, and then they head back home, and they will host the Abbotsford Canucks. The second, and I believe the fourth, but it is a a two-game set, and I believe it's not a back-to-back. So, yeah, hopefully people will come out. I mean, the crowds have been great. Last night was fantastic. It was uh, the closer of the back-to-back, and I remember I was thinking to myself, gosh, it's so cold out. The roads are kind of not great out there. Are people going to come in? But the atmosphere has been fantastic, and this team doesn't disappoint right now. I mean, they continue to climb up the standings. They're a lot of fun to watch. They're physical, uh, highlight real saves. Uh, I'm not in marketing, certainly, but <laughs> I, uh, I hope I've sold it enough that people come down and, Just see this team and how how well they're rolling and the great job that Mitch Love has done with this particular group. I think the future is bright.
0: I'll I'll say this as someone who regularly doesn't get their Christmas shopping done until today. Uh, you know, a couple days before Christmas. If you're in the if you're looking for uh, a stocking stuffer for a hockey fan in your family. tickets are very reasonably priced and it's kind of a cool atmosphere it they they pack in the lower bowl so if you get a chance uh, especially if you get a chance to go to one of the afternoon games they have great fun family atmosphere and the hockey's pretty good too
2: it is i agree and you guys both know i mean the in-house production at the saddle dome i don't know if anybody does it as well as they do so there's tons of stuff to do it's fantastic for all age groups and even like you just said ryan basically if even if you're a casual hockey fan or you have never watched an ahl game i think you'll leave pretty impressed
0: well thanks for joining us sandra that was sandra persina the voice of the calgary wranglers uh, as mentioned the wranglers are heading on the road after christmas for a few games and they're back at home on january 2nd to kick off a homestand uh Sandra, join us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Dine in, pick up, or have your game day special delivered. Find out why Atlas Pizza is a 14-time Consumer Choice Award winner, 6060 Memorial Drive Southeast, or call 403-248-3344. While it's been cold in Calgary, the Calgary Flames have been heating up down in California. They swept two games to the San Jose Sharks, and they begin a back-to-back set on Thursday night in Los Angeles. We look ahead to Thursday's big game around the corner on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Back to Sportsnet today on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Our outstanding producers are batting 1,000 on intro music this hour.
1: Cam, I want to know what your DJ name is. It's been a long time since I had one. What was it? What was the go-to? You can't leave us hanging like this. So my last name is Hughes, right? Yeah.
0: But it's spelled H-U-G-H-E-S. But if you drop the G-H,
1: it's just the color, right? Hughes. Oh. Ran that for a bit. Let that marinate for a little bit. It's radio-only information.
0: (laughs) This is Sportsnet Today with Ryan Pike and Aaron Vickers, broadcasting to you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio, brought to you by Doug Lacey's Basement Systems. We are your local experts for basement waterproofing, sump pumps, crawl spaces, foundation repair, and radon mitigation. We are all things basement-y. Visit dlbasementsystemscalgary.com. Download the show in the Sportsnet Today feed and tell us your thoughts at 960-960 on the text line. Aaron, the Flames could potentially start or I guess continue a winning streak today or on uh, on, uh, Thursday night. As we've learned from the film Major League Two, once you hit three wins, it's considered a winning streak. It has happened before. For the Calgary Flames, they've won three games in a row twice this season. They rattled off three in a row to begin their regular season and then went a while without doing it. Uh, Earlier this month, they won three in a row, and then they lost uh, five in a row, including three overtime points. But they haven't uh, gone on a run, especially a run against divisional foes, quite yet. This week seems like it could be the opportunity for them to do that. How important is it for them right now to string some wins together.
1: Well, as you mentioned and shout out to Major League 2. Well done Major League the original. I'm you can light up the text line and tell me how wrong I am here. 960, 960 but Major League and by extension Major League 2 top 5 sports movies for me. I'm just going to oh, say I, it, I, I'm bringing I, we're,
0: it. We're we're I'm already lobbying via text message and via via email uh the program director to bring us on for uh some some dog days of summer uh, radio so we can just sit around and talk about all-time great baseball movies because there's a long list.
1: Back to the Calgary Flames. You're right. Two wins in a row is not a winning streak. It's a coincidence. Three, you can start calling it a winning streak, and it's damn near dire for the Calgary Flames to go on a winning streak right now, given the fact that they're in the midst of a seven-game stretch against all Pacific Division foes. These are the proverbial four-point games now, usually, I guess in the media, I guess we're probably guilty of it more than anybody that four-point games typically get busted out in March and April when <laughs> standings can swing dramatically over the course of one game. But well, what's, what's, what's the old saying? You can't make the playoffs in October, but you can certainly you miss. You certainly can miss. And, you
0: know, I, I completely agree with you.
1: Flames, so far this season, have played eight games against the Pacific Division, including a pair against the San Jose Sharks on this road trip. They are 5-2-1. That's not too shabby. You're talking about 11 of a possible 16 points. But the Seattle Kraken are 7-2-1. The Canucks are 7-2. And and then you've got the Kings and the Oilers, who are kind of middling against each other. 4-4-2 four, four, for the Kings. 3-3-0 well, the, the, three, three the, for the Oilers. The
0: divisional wins... Let's go through them really quickly if we can remember them. There was uh, that win in Edmonton on the first Saturday night of the season.
1: I'm going to defer to you on all this. You're the magic man here. there's
0: five. Two against San Jose that just happened. One in Edmonton on October 15th. Uh, What else? The one against Vegas. Vegas. That's four. And then who was the fifth? Oh. Because they lost to Seattle. They lost to Edmonton. Kings on November 14th. Kings on November 14th.
1: So they have beaten the opponent they'll face Thursday night already they, they beat
0: them on home ice and i i i think we we've a lot can be made and will be continue to be made by folks like us about uh, the flame start like they they changed over a good amount of their hockey club and then they had according to the uh, the stats community arguably the the toughest ske- strength of schedule of any team in hockey and they're they got through it they're through the worst stretch of the schedule they're going to have in terms of, of strength of opposition and they managed to, you know, eke it out about a 500 record. They were 500 ish against some really, really good teams. So they have the easiest, according, I think to, to folks like uh tankathon, uh, Mike McCurdy, a few other people on, uh, all over the internet, uh, all our stats friends, the flames now have the easiest strength of schedule. They've gotten the worst of it out of the way. And could that just simply be the the thing that gets them going and gets them going on runs? Because, you know, we talk about a lot of things, but, you know, other teams in the division in the conference faced Anaheim already, faced, you know, San Jose already, faced Arizona multiple times already. Flames are seeing a lot of these teams for the first time.
1: This is a, if you want to set yourself up going into and out of the Christmas break, the Calgary Flames are primed to do so. So over the course of that seven game stretch, they're not seeing Vegas which is huge when you want to talk about intra-division games because they're the cream of the crop right now, pardon me. So you've got two against San Jose that you already cashed in for four points. You've got the Kings, who they're higher in the division, but they've played more games. I don't know if you're necessarily scared of them. You chase them with the Anaheim Ducks on Friday. Then you come back out of the Christmas break. You got the Edmonton Oilers and Seattle Kraken back-to-back before a New Year's Eve meeting with the Vancouver Canucks. So You want to talk about putting together a win streak. That's seven winnable games. Now, at the same time, the LA Kings are probably saying that about Calgary. The Edmonton Oilers are probably saying that about Calgary. The Seattle Kraken are probably saying it's a winnable game when they play next week against the Calgary Flames. But you can only win the games that are in front of you right now and you want to go back to strength of schedule. Well, none of those teams would intimidate me if I'm the Calgary Flames. And if you can cash in the majority of those quote-unquote four-point games, suddenly you're going to be in a lot more comfortable position heading into the Christmas break, and then if you take care of the work coming out of the Christmas break, by the flip of the calendar year, you're probably a lot more comfortable where you are than you were two, two and a half, three weeks ago.
0: I agree. Um, for for an offensively starved team, maybe going through San Jose was the the magic elixir. The Flames put up... Twelve goals over two games against San Jose. Uh, I believe at five on five, they outscored the Sharks. What ten to two? They had a power play goal. San Jose scored two power play goals. Flames had an empty netter. I think that's. I think that ups That adds up to twelve to. I think it was twelve to five.
1: You're the math guy. Here. Something like
0: that. But I always promised no math. I was. Oh God, I I signed up for nothing but math. You you've seen how many
1: spreadsheets I watch games with. Well, I mean, I remember sitting across the table from you not two days ago where you're like, hit me with some random question because it's going to live in my spreadsheet somewhere. And (laughs) lo and behold, you had it. I think it was... Can't even remember what that question was. Record with Chris Tanev out of the lineup, and you spit it out instantly. So you usually got a magic I'll, calculator I'll, over I'll, there. I'll
0: say that. Shout out to our friends at Sportsnet Stats, uh, at okay. SN Stats on Twitter. Uh, they live for those kind of things. And if someone on one of the broadcasts throws out a number, I guarantee you they probably got it from the Sportsnet Stats. I was really curious. We Two days ago, we were talking about some new look forward lines to the Calgary Flames, we including, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get into a certain individual moving up the rotation momentarily. But Is that we, the one that's currently playing on? his off wing for the first time and when we can remember correct but broadly speaking before we get into some specific things brought you know big picture what'd you think of uh, the four lines against uh, san jose on uh on tuesday night
1: well i mean it's hard to argue the result up and down the lineup if, even if you just want to park the 7-3 score which uh the calgary flames probably played a little bit tighter game than they would have uh felt comfortable doing so before exploding for four in the third period but all in all i mean there's not much to nitpick out of it Like I, you go through and you look at uh, the point production and then you go and you scrape the shots for and against and scoring chances for and against it's San Jose. So I don't know how you necessarily have to adjust the expectation on it because San Jose is not a great team and they are, you don't want to say a free spot on the bingo card because anybody can win any given night. I think we've seen that throughout the course of history in the NHL and Certainly the Flames have laid their fair share of eggs against I, opponents I, that I, should be two I, points. I think
0: we can take a look at the 2020 twenty 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 one season against uh, Ottawa knows who they are uh, <laughs> as an example of that.
1: Fair. So again, tempered or you put an asterisk or you do whatever you, you want to do. But overall, collectively, I thought all four lines fulfilled a role that they needed to you know, slot in and accomplish in order for this group to have success, lines one through four. There wasn't a lot to to really go, for me anyways, go, oh, that was so bad. They need to fix this. They need to adjust this. But again, it's it, San Jose for me. How about you? For, for me,
0: I I I think the, the two games set against San Jose, sure, on paper, you got four out of four points. Uh, you know, Daryl Sutter says that for long road trips, if you get as many points as you do games, you you know you're broken even and then you try to try to gain some ground with the other games you have so they've guaranteed themselves that they're going to come home at least with as many points as games but it felt like kind of a microcosm of the season so far for them because you know we we saw you know them the first game they were just absolutely shellacking the 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 sharks with scoring chances couldn't bury enough and then all of a sudden beginning of the third period after a really close game everything goes in And we saw that a bit in the third period of uh, of Tuesday's games too. Absolutely, we saw the Flames play exceptionally well at stretches. You know, with a really good forecheck that led to two goals in thirty seconds, which is always a great way to start. But then, you know, on one hand they won seven three. On the other hand, they allowed two nothing and three one leads to get uh, to get you know sliced and diced away. But they still found ways to win. And for a group that I think had found ways to lose quite often especially you know if you look at the the five game losing streak if you look at the aggregate of just the results man they you know they they didn't get what they needed to get out of pl- enough players to turn a couple of those regulation losses into overtime losses or those overtime losses into regulation wins but on the other hand if you look at the the, the the way they played and the shape of their game in general they were right there with them the whole time they just found ways to to lose and i think if they can find in their game the ability to find ways to win more often like they did against San Jose with, you know, guy, guy, we'll talk about in a second, Milan Lucic. I don't think anyone really, you know, penciled in Milan Lucic for a game winning goal and a, a setup of a game winning goal in consecutive games. But that's kind of what they need to get out of their group this season in order to, to move
1: up the table, does not it? So should we should we dive headfirst into the Lucic conversation? Should we fire up the text line at nine sixty nine sixty? Engage the fan base on how they're loving or I, not maybe loving Lucic playing on the right side I, with Kadri I, and Huberto. We,
0: I think we I think we've opened the Pandora's box, and I'm I'm really curious in terms of are fans racing out to the fanatic and and other sporting apparel stores to to get brand new number seventeen jerseys, or is the reaction a little bit more muted? Are they like, I, I'm really curious what the what the vibe is right now because he had two really good games. And before that, he was sitting in the press box for three games.
1: So you texted me during the game and we were casually having a, a brief chat about Milan Lucic on the right side with Nazem Kadri down the middle and Jonathan Huberto on left. This is an experiment that's not likely to go away immediately. So we're going to get a larger sample size on it. But through 11 ish minutes of five on five play for that trio, what's the impression they left you with? I thought they were, I thought they got better as the game went
0: on. And I, I still, my my biggest challenge with that line is all due respect to Huberdo and to Kadri, foot speed is not their be all end all. They're both, you know, especially like Kadri has. That shot uh, after the game, Daryl Sutter, in his post game uh, chat with the media, really credited Nazem Kadri's shot as the thing that got that the the game winning goal past the goaltender. but on on that line, there's three really smart players, and you know you had Jonathan Huberdo who really quietly had three assists in the third period of that game, uh, and one that was an empty netter, but he. Was completely engaged in that period, and he makes you know he basically takes the hit and makes a, a quick little pass at the blue line to get the puck out of the, into the neutral zone, and all of a sudden, you know, one one quick little sacrifice play, and they have a two on two, and Lucic makes a really smart play and executes it really well, and Kadri's home free, and they they made a they're a group of players that that you know none of them are are spring chickens, but they've they've all been around the league long enough that they know how to make space. They know how to take advantage of space and they know how to, how to connect on those kind of plays and execute on those kind of plays. If they can do it consistently, then I, you know, as much as you probably want to see a, a bit more foot speed or a bit more youth on that trio, I don't know if you really want to break them up. If they're scoring goals.
1: Well, you don't have a reason to, if they're scoring goals. So 11, 25 ice time together at five on five shots, attempt shots were 10, six attempts were 16, 10 in their favor even on scoring chances and high-danger scoring chances for. So that's a wash. And again, keep in mind the level of competition a little bit. Sorry, San Jose. I'm just going to continually rag on you a little bit here, but you're where you are in the standings for a reason and a little bit in flux moving forward in the future. Do,
0: do, do I want to... Uh, we had a family gathering oh, no. on on, uh, on Tuesday evening. Actually, you no, know, it was Sunday evening with uh, my cousin, who's a Sharks fan. He showed up in his Pavelski jersey, and then I got the saddest text from him after the game about uh, how the Sharks looked. Uh, let's just say it involved Connor Bedard.
1: Okay, so that just... Sharks fans are not at the point of denial, so I feel like I can just lay into them a little bit more. I (laughs) felt that that line, that trio, was slow getting up and down the ice. Yet, Huberto, as you mentioned, three assists. Lucic was good for one and one. Kadri had two goals, including the winner. Like, you can't argue the results, and there's no reason to swap it up to see if you're going to get different results. When you're already getting the desired results you want out of a line that is in the top six and paid to produce, for lack of a better term, maybe not necessarily Milan Lucic. She's definitely well paid. I don't think you're expecting him to pot two points a night, including a goal. But I, here I, we are. I,
0: I think you're hoping for a guy with his pedigree and his reputation. You're hoping that at the very least you saw off even. And if they can, if his line, whoever he's playing with, can score more than they give up, I think you have to take that for what it is. I'm, I'm really curious. You know, like. We the only goal, or actually the the only line since you probably have uh, a website open in front of you. The only the only line of the forward lines that didn't score was the possession beast of Manjupani, Coleman, and Backlund. And on Tuesday, you and I spoke quite a bit about fan excitement to see that line reunited. I know, uh, you know, after us, you know, Pat Steinberg on Flames Talk and uh, and other colorful characters also discussed the excitement for the return of that line they were as advertised, but they just found ways to not score. They, they, whatever disease of the rest of the team got cured of with the, the trip to California, it seems like Backlund's line either still has it or caught it, but do they need to do anything different? You think? No, to- they,
1: they need to do exactly the same by any metric other than, other than I'm using air quotes because that's what matters at the end of the day. Any metric other than goals, assist points, They were Calgary's best line in that game. Shot attempts were 18-3 in their favor. 18-3. They carried the play when they were on the ice. They dominated the opposition. You name it. Expected goals. Expected goals against whatever stat you want to use to, to define the metric of what success is for a line outside of producing actual points, which, again, at the end of the day, is the goal. But far and away their best line Tuesday night against the San Jose Sharks you don't ask them to do anything different keep approaching it the same way keep doing exactly what you're doing and then those results will come for me you i'm
0: i'm very similar with that i and i think i think the big challenge is for me you, you just want that line to find some consistency because you know Andre Majupani in particular like Coleman and Backlund have been extremely consistent they haven't scored a ton but that's not really what they're asked to do but when you're making five point eight million dollars and you're you're no you can no longer be considered you know a, a surprise or a success story. This is the expectation for Ange He's got to score goals. I don't know if he gets back to thirty five goals again. We talked about this on Tuesday. I don't think I don't think he gets back at least this season to that level. But much like Lucic, I mean, can he give them a little bit more offensively in situations? I was thinking you know the, the second power play unit in particular. The the guys that they're relying right now, folks. If you uh, if you're if you don't follow the uh, the special teams units as as intimately as Aaron and I do, uh, the first power play unit is the five big dogs offensively: Kadri, Huberdeau, Tofoley, Lindholm, and uh, Rasmus Anderson running the point. The second unit has traditionally been uh Noah Hanifin running the point occasionally another defenseman sometimes stone sometimes the door off but usually force four forwards lately with Dubé, Mangipani, Adam Marzeczka and Michael Backlund. Michael Backlund's there to win faceoffs and then, you know, make tiny passes and sort of, you know, help them corral things. But in terms of dangerous offensive players, it's basically up to Manjipani and Dubé to to drive the offense in that unit and, you know, if you're putting your your big PK guys out against the, the Huberdos and Cadres of the world, you're going to, the second unit's going to get, you know, the lesser lights and also some tired guys. And I don't think they've been quite up to snuff in terms of generating and bearing those chances, but you know, we are what 33 games in. So there's still a lot of race left to be run. There's still time for them to find that.
1: Okay. I'm going to hit up the text line here because you've been called out and this is a stat. I don't know what I need to put on the line here in in terms of a bet that you're probably not going to have off the top of your head. How many games the Flames have allowed a goal due to a poor line change this year? Do directly? directly... Okay, the, I mean, answer, the answer is automatically too many.
0: Yeah.
2: Can well, you put a number to it?
0: Uh, uh, Should I they, let you they, mull that over they while had I read one, another They text? had one against San Jose. Although that was a weird goal too. That was the one where I think Scott Harrington, the puck rolled on him when he was trying to get the point shot off and... Markstrom was ready for the point shot and then it dribbled to barabanov so that's one well and
1: rasmus anderson has a stick lifted on that play too for the tap in yeah i would say
0: i'm gonna say six
1: okay that sounds like a good enough number to me that sounds like too many lucic isn't the full-time solution for the flames need of a top six winger but as long as he can fill the role and the flames are winning you can't complain considering how he was doing before that's one texter another texter it's great that Lucha is working out there for now, and it's great that Dylan is working out on the top line. Ride the hot hand 100%, but none of this is sustainable long-term. Team needs to get a top scorer like Tarasenko. You two are devilishly handsome and well-spoken, guys. Happy holidays. Is that Pat, maybe? I'm very, I am very. don't recognize the number, but I only recognize two phone numbers in the history of time, and neither are Pat's. So sorry, Steinberg, but there you go. We're devilishly <laughs> handsome. And ride the hot hand 100. percent I probably should have read that entire text before talking about it on air, but I'll take the compliment and go from there. What do you think of a guy like Tarasenko?
0: Oh, if they could afford him, I, I think I think that's the big challenge because you know, with uh, with Oliver Shillington's status, you know, assume I think the hope is he'll eventually come back, but until you until the club says anything definitive, you can't really figure. You can't spend that money uh i i think the cap challenges will be the thing that forces them to you know think about last year last year they're up against the cap last year they waited till valentine's day to pull the trigger and Tyler to foley despite it being pretty clear that they needed to get one more right shot guy who could score goals because they needed to stretch out their cap space as much as they can this year cap space is a little bit worse than last year so it wouldn't shock me if they you know if they're going to make a move. I wouldn't be shocked if it was a, a late move though, close to the deadline, because they need they need to stretch the money.
1: And just to put a bow on that question, can they? I've I've said no. You're better at this than I am. I'll, I will concede that. Can they acquire somebody with term, or are they too backed up against it next year?
0: I'll say this: everyone's going to be backed up against it. You're you know it's a, it's an entire league of GMs that thought. Hoped against hope, maybe the cap will go up four million dollars next year. Right now it sounds like it might not, but I don't until they know they won't know. Uh they'll probably find out, you know, sometime in January or February how uh how things are gonna look. So last year, the conversation we had the same conversation, I think, last year about the flames and, and having no cash base. And the phrasing was they'll they'll figure it out in the summer. I think they're going to have to try to figure out the summer, but
1: I don't think they're going to necessarily let it stop to make moves. Well, you heard it here first. Cap won't impact the Calgary Flames making moves. Ryan Pike. That's the Pike guarantee.
0: Yeah. My guarantee, just take a look at uh, my track record. My guarantees are worth about as, uh, my guarantees can get you a cup of coffee.
1: And it kind of did. It did. Yeah. Let's take it. Bring us home. Let's take it. All right. Uh,
0: That'll do it for this hour of Sportsnet today. For outstanding producers, Cam Hughes and Taylor Dingman. For Ryan Peck and Aaron Vickers, thank you for tuning in to Sportsnet today. We're on demand at your fingertips with Sportsnet today. Subscribe to our podcast feed on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Coming up next is Flames Talk with Pat Steinberg. Then it's Flames Warm Up before the Flames and the Kings drop the puck at 830 on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.